ان الحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء وعلى اله واصحابه ومن والاه وبعد my dear brothers and sisters many benefits of being a person of taqwa is that it gives uh, it gives us itminan of the qalb peace of mind because taqwa produces tawakkul and we mentioned we talked about that uh, in the last lecture of the connection between taqwa and tawakkul and that's why today i thought we'll talk about the issue of risk because risk is something which is uh, which is misunderstood and because it is misunderstood it causes endless grief uh, for no reason at all because people don't understand what is risk and they don't know what to do with respect to their own lives now there is a very detailed lecture of mine i think over um, four sessions or 10 sessions or 10 or 12 sessions uh, which is on the issue of risk and it's called risk ordained or obtained and that's the title of the of the lecture it's called risk ordained or obtained but today we'll talk about risk in a very concise and brief manner and the title that I, that's why i thought of for this lecture is uh, risk is what you get and risk is also what you give now this part of it the first part of it we understand the second part of it we, usually we don't think of risk as something that i that i give and why i'm saying that is because of the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam one day it was a very hot day and uh, umar ibn al-khattab radhiyallahu anhu came out of his house it was so hot and he was so hungry that he came out of his house and headed for the masjid for to meet the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and on the way he met abu bakr as-siddiq radhiyallahu anhu so when he saw him he said why are you here what are you doing he said i'm going to the masjid he said why because he said i can't sit at home it's extremely hot and i'm very hungry there's no food to eat so what was al-khattab radhiyallahu anhu said that is also my state and as they reached the masjid they met rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam who came out of there so they said ya rasulullah we came to see you because uh, for the sahaba to see the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was rahat was happiness if they were sad they went to see the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam if they were hungry if there was anything wrong with them they went to see just to look at the nabi was a relief was was something which uh, helped them and helped their hearts so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said i also came out of my house for the same reason he said there is uh, it's extremely hot and in, there is nothing to eat so the three of them then went to the house of abu ayub al-ansari radhiyallahu anhu who was the first host or for that matter the only host of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam in medina and abu ayub al-ansari was also a uh, was related to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is from the uh, family of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam's mother uh, the banu najjar so when they reached there uh, abu ayub radhiyallahu anhu was not at home but his wife was at home and his wife welcomed uh, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his companions and uh, she asked them to sit and then abu ayub ansari came and he was very happy to see the rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his house obviously with his two companions so he brought some cold water from his uh, garden from the well and while rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his companions drank the water abu ayub ansari went into the garden and he got a whole uh, bunch of dates 
in which there were ripe dates and there were half ripe dates and there were raw dates, green dates. So he brought the whole bunch. And Nabi said, why did you cut the whole bunch? He said, Ya Rasulullah, if you like to eat the ripe dates, they are there. And if you like to eat the half ripe ones, they are there. And if you like to eat the green ones, they are also there. So I brought the whole, whichever you need. And while they were eating the dates, Abu Ayyub Ansari, he slaughtered a, a young goat kid and gave it to his wife and she was roasting the meat and Abu Ayyub Ansari, he started making bread and shortly there was the meat and the bread. And Nabi took two of these rotis and he put some meat into that and he said, go and give this to Fatima. She has not eaten for three days. And then Rasulullah and his two companions and Abu Bansari was the host. Uh, they ate the meat and they had the meat and the bread and uh, they had the dates and they had the cool water and so on. And then Rasulullah said a very strange thing. He said to his companions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take hisab for this. He said, Allah will account, hold you to account for this. Abu Bakr Siddiq had a very soft heart and he started crying. He said, Ya Rasulullah, we were so hungry. We had not eaten for a couple of days. And we came here and we got this food and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold us to account for this. Nabi sallallahu said, yes, because it was not your right that you should be fed. Allah gave you out of His mercy. It was not your haq that you should be fed. Allah gave you out of your mercy. So thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalaluhu for this and inshallah Allah will not hold you to account. And then He said that what you eat and what you wear and what you send before you, what you send before you, what you spend in the path of Allah, He said this is your risk. The rest of it is not your risk. So your bank balance is not your risk, your uh, properties are not your risk. They are things that you will be held accountable for. You will give the hisab for this, although it is not your risk. And your risk is what you eat and what you wear and what you spend in the path of Allah. And that's why the title of today's uh, lecture which is, Risk is what you get and risk is what you give. Both are risk. Because what you spend in the path of Allah is what you are giving and this is your risk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said you will find this with Allah in a better condition and obviously it is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you meet Allah Jalla Jalalu khayram wa abqa it will be better and it will last the thing to understand about risk is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned about it and in Surah Al-Ankabut Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Allahu yabsutu rizqa liman yasha'u yaqdir Allahu yabusutu rizqa liman yasha'u min ibadihi wa yaqdiru lahu inna allaha bi kulli shayin alim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who yabusutu rizqa liman yasha'u He is the one who enlarges the provision of his slaves as he wills min ibadihi from his slaves for his slaves wa yaqdiru lahu and he restricts it for who he wills. Inna Allaha bikulli shayin alim. And verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything. He knows all about his slaves. So the first thing we understand about risk is risk is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. And this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran again and again and again. 
where Allah said, Mimma razaknahum yunfiqoon. Allah said, spend from what we have given you. Allah did not say, spend from what you have earned. Think about this. In the Quran, Allah never said about, about wealth. Allah never said, spend from what you have earned. About your amal, Allah said, you have to earn the amal. But your wealth, Allah did not say, spend from what you have earned. Allah said, spend from what we have given you. And this is the exact opposite of what the world tells us. It says, my earning, I earned it, I worked for it. And Allah says, you didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, I gave it to you. I gave it to you. You, what you have is not a product of your hard work, because there are people who work much harder than you and they don't have a fraction of what you have. And if you don't believe me, go to any of the construction sites and you will see people who work. That man does more amount of expend, expenditure of energy in one day than you will do in your whole life. In some very, very harsh conditions. But he makes a, absolutely a fragment of what you make. So, what you make is not, a, is not a function of how hard you work. What you make is not also a function of how much knowledge you have. Because university professors, if we take that as a benchmark, they have obviously more knowledge than most people because the uh, entry criteria is to have a PhD. Unless you have a PhD, you will not even be considered for a professorship job. But university professors, I don't know of any university professor who earns even half as much as a reasonably sized businessman. So business people earn far more than university professors, but in terms of knowledge, the university professors have far more knowledge than business people. If you go into the Islamic sciences, it's even more. Because what is more valuable than the hips of the Quran? In terms of value before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But which hafiz do you know who, who earns more money than the muqtadeen who are praying behind him? Nothing. Nothing. It's not even a consideration. Yesterday in my lecture, I talked about uh, in schooling and so on, the lecture on uh, family matters and we have inshallah sec the second part of it on the 16th. Uh, I mentioned the issue of uh, how much you pay for a physics teacher and a chemistry teacher or, and a math teacher and how much you pay to the Imam to teach your children Quran. And later on my brother Dudi tells me, uh, he said in Saudi Arabia, he said when I was in high school, he said my father paid the math teacher and the uh, physics teacher 2000 Saudi Rial or 3000 Saudi Rial. How much is that? 2000, 2000 Saudi Riyal per month as tuition and for the eh? uh, and, and for the uh, Ustad who came to teach him Quran they used to pay 30, 30 Saudi Riyal is where is 30, where is 2000 so the, the issue is that and that's not only in Saudi Arabia it is exactly the same in, in every country I mean how much do you pay your teachers so it is what you earn is not a function of your knowledge how much, how much you know it's not a function of what you know and it's not a function of how hard you, how hard you work it's also not even a function of how bright you are because if you, if you remember the dot-com crisis in America where all these uh, IT businesses went bust. Now, all those businesses even started because some people had some very, very bright ideas. And they had the bright ideas, they were able to get the venture capital funding and bank funding or whatever it was and then it, the whole thing collapsed because again, the issue is it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gives success. So, and that's exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. In another place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Sabah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قُلْ إِنَّ رَبِّ يَبْسُطُ الرِّزْقَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ يَقْدِرْ وَلَاكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِنَا لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Allah said, say to them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa verily, my Rabb enlarges and restricts the provision for whoever he pleases. 
but most people do not know this. In another place in Surah Al-Shura, see the beauty, beauty of this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allahu latifum bi ibadihi yarzuqu man yasha wa huwal qawiyyul aziz. See the words that are used. Allah, Allahu latifum bi ibadihi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware, is very gracious and kind, and is aware of the minutest details of the need of the slave. So there's nothing that Allah does not know in terms of what you and I need. And then he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And Allah will give him as much as he wants. aziz, And he is the strongest, and he is the almighty, and he is the most powerful. Now why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using these of his sifat, of strength and power, when it comes to giving of risk? Because Allah knows us. Allah knows us. We feel that, you know, I don't think any Muslim will actually say this in so many words, but the thought in the mind, one thought is, yeah, I'm in trouble, but does Allah know? And nobody will say that, but that's the, if you think Allah knows, and if you think Allah can give and He has to give, then why are you worried? Why are you worried? For what? Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib, one day a beggar came to his house. So he called and he said, give me something. So he said to his son, Hassan bin Ali, anhu, he said to him, go and ask your mother what there is in the house. So Hassan anhu, went inside and he came back and he said, my mother says that there are six dirham in the house. Six dirham. So then Ali said, bring it. So then Hassan went and who's, who's his mother? Fatima Zahra, anha, the daughter of the Prophet so he, he go, he went inside, he came back with the six dirham and said and Ali gave all the six to the beggar. Everything, gone. After some time, a man came with a horse. It's either a horse or a camel, I don't remember. So he, said, he came with a horse. And he said to Sayyidina Ali, will you buy this? Sayyidina Ali Adalanu took a look at the horse and he said, yes. How much is it? What do you want for it? The man said, 140 dirham. So Sayyidina Ali said, fine. He said, you tie it here, I will give it to you tomorrow. So the man tied the horse and went away. Then after some time, another man came. And he said, whose horse is this? Sayyidina Ali said, it's mine. He said, will you sell it? He said, yes. He said, how much do you want for it? Sayyidina Ali said, what will you give? The man said, 200 dirham. Sayyidina Ali said, no problem, take it. So he took 200 dirham, he gave 140 to the man, the, the horse belonged to, how much is left? 60. How much did he give the beggar? 6. So he took the 60 dirham and he gave it to his son, he said, go and give it to your mother and tell her that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ أَشَرُوا أَمْثَالِهَا The one who gives one, does one good deed, Allah will give him 10 likewise. My brothers and sisters, First reminder about today's lecture, which I want to remind myself and you is, Iman is to have more faith in what is in the hand of Allah than you have on what is in your hand. Iman is to have more faith in what is in the hand of Allah than to have faith in what you have in your own hand. This is the test of Iman. And that 
proof of that test is how quickly you can let go what is in your hand. Because the reality of life is only empty hands can hold. Only empty hands can hold. What you have in your hand, think about it as agriculture. And I'm saying that because Rasulullah said, if you are in difficulties financially, if you are in financial difficulties, shall I tell you the secret of success? If you are, if you are tight, kadki mein hai, to kya karna malum hai? Rasulullah said, if you are in financial difficulties, give sadaqa. Does it make sense? If you are in financial difficulties, the Prophet said, give sadaqa. I'm asking you a straight question. Does this make sense? You already are in financial difficulties. He's saying, give it away. How does it make sense? Don't give me your akhidah answer. Give me sensible, logical answer. Of course, my akhidah is the same. If the Prophet said it, it's right. But there is also an understanding to it. What is your understanding? You're saying yes. On what basis? If you give one, you get back ten. That's because he just heard me saying that. <laughs> the answer is agriculture. Think agriculture. Think agriculture. I don't know how many of you have ever gone to a village in the summer, in the farms. Many of you come from places where if I ask you where do you, where do you get the milk from, you will say from the grocery store. Uh, who, where do you get the eggs from, from the grocery store. Do you know there's something called a chicken? Yeah, tandoori chicken or albeg chicken. Past the egg laying stage, it's already cooked. Get out of your houses, get out of the luxury life, luxury life you live, go and look at villages. You will understand a huge amount of learning. If you go into a village in our country, in the summer, you will find the fields are completely barren and the ground is so dry that the soil actually cracks. So the field looks like a mesh. It's all cracked clods of earth. Nothing but nothing grows, not even a thorn will grow in that. Now at that time, and I've actually done this, I've actually seen this. At that time, if you go into the house of the farmer, Kisan, it's a grass-roofed, mud-walled hut. House is a, like a big name for it. You go inside there, you will always find, in the corner somewhere, there will be a half bag of grain. Half a sack of grain. You ask the farmer's wife, where is your husband? She says he's working on the construction site somewhere or whatever it is, doing hard physical labor. He says, you ask, you ask her, what do you eat? She says, whatever, if he gets something for the day, he will bring some food, we eat that. So if you ask this farmer and you say, well, why are you unnecessarily starving? You've got half a sack of grain, that half a sack of grain is enough for you to feed your family for at least one month. Why don't you eat the grain? He won't touch it. He will say, no, 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 don't touch the grain. And then when the monsoon starts, when the rain comes and that whole cracked field of cracked soil turns into mud, the man does an even stranger thing. He did a strange thing once, which is, he has food, he needs the food, he is hungry, his wife is hungry, children are hungry, but they don't eat it. And then when the rain comes, he does an even more strange thing. And what is that strange thing? He takes that good food and throws it in the mud. He takes that good grain and he throws it in the mud. He calls it sowing the seed. 
But what is he doing? He's throwing it in the mud. So he was hungry. He didn't eat it. He's still hungry. And he takes the food and throws it into the mud. You know why he understands what he's doing? Because he's a farmer. So we should all become farmers. Because that is the hadith of Rasulullah is saying, if you are hungry, sow the seed. What you have in your hand is the harvest. What leaves your hand is the seed. And what comes out of that is the harvest. And that harvest is always more than what your hand can hold. The farmer doesn't eat the seed. You understand? This is the seed. It has to go into the ground. If it goes into the ground, I eat all year. If I eat this sack of seed, when it is done, I will starve all year. And that is how it makes sense. When you have difficult circumstances, Nabi Wasallam said, give sadaqah. Because Allah will return it to you. And the minimum that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns is 1 is to 10. Rabia Basriya radiallahu alayha, a man came, knocked on the door and he brought a parcel. So, she said, who sent it? He said, I came, so, I came from so and so, he sent this to you. She said, what is it? He said, it is uh, bread. She said, how many pieces are there? He said, nine. He said, it's not for me, go take it away, must be for somebody else. So the man said, it's for you, I brought it for you. He said, no, can't be mine. So the man started shivering. He said, please, please accept. If I don't take it home, I, if I take it back to my house uh, and I don't give it to you, my master will be uh, very upset with me. He said, it is not mine, it cannot be mine. He said, I have to tell you, I have to tell you the truth. He said, he, she said, what truth? He said, I ate one, there were ten. He said, on the way I felt hungry, so I ate one. He said, right, then it's mine, give it to me. So the man said, why, do you, why did you say it is not yours and now why are you saying it is yours? He said, because I gave one piece of bread in sadaqah, I have to get ten. You brought nine, it's not mine. I won't take it. My rub said ten, I will take ten. I will not take nine. Huh? I will not take nine. My rub said he will give me ten. I will take only ten. I will not take nine. Where is this yaqeen, my brothers? Where is this yaqeen? Where did it go? And this is the secret of ghina. This is the secret of the greatest wealth that you can have, which is contentment. Contentment. To understand that Allah is the one who gives. And Allah gives as much as He wishes and He is fully aware of our needs and He gives with His power and His Qudrat. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in the same ayah, the next ayah Allah says, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ هَرْثَ الْآخِرَةِ نَزِدْ لَهُ فِي هَرْثِهِ وَمَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ هَرْثَ الدُّنْيَا نُؤْتِهِ مِنْهَا وَمَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ نَصِيبِ Allah says the one who desires Reward of the hereafter, meaning you can't just sit and desire, Ya Allah, give me Jannah. Then you don't do anything that leads to Jannah. No. Desire means that you act on that. You do the deeds that will lead to Jannah. So Allah SWT is saying that the one who desires the Akhirah and does the deeds to get the Akhirah, 
This Allah says we will give him an increase in that. So if he is doing one deed, Allah will give him the reward which is much more than what he is doing. And Allah says that whoever desires the reward of this world. Now reward of this world, whenever this happens we have to understand. It means that a person who desires the reward of this world in exchange for the reward of the akhirah. There is nothing wrong in desiring good things in the dunya. Allah taught us this dua, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. Allah give us good things in this life. Give us goodness in this life. Give us barakah in this life. Give us the opportunity to do good deeds in this life. So nothing wrong with, dinner, with, with asking for uh, benefits of this dunya. But if you are taking the benefits of this dunya at the expense of akhirah, meaning that you are doing haram business, you are making a choice, you are choosing to buy the enmity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to do your business. Somebody sells a scheme to you. Here is this piece of land. Here is this property that belongs to somebody else. Maybe they are weak, maybe they, are, they can't do it. Maybe it is government land. Yeah, people have in this country, they have this uh, fatwa from God knows which shaitan they, who gave them this fatwa. Allah ki zameen hai Abdullah ka khabza gate. Khabar mein gaya to anwata kiska khabza hai so. Government land belongs to the government, doesn't belong to you. If you grab it, it is haram. If you sell it, even if some, even, even if you bribe or whatnot, some government official, which is possible, and who will write the thing for you, and you got that government land, and you take that land, and you benef benefit from that money, believe me, you are eating the fire of Jahannam, which will come into your belly when you go into your qabr. Make no mistake. Just because you can get away with something illegal, just because you can get away with haram, does not make it halal. And of course, maybe you won't get away, maybe you land up in jail in this world also. But these, are, these things happen, this happens every day. You get somebody who sells you a scheme and you are too dumb in your head to understand the, your friend from your enemy. And you believe any rubbish that anyone tells you and you fall into that trap. Then be prepared to burn very, hard, very uh, hot in your cupboard. That's what will happen. These are the people who are choosing the dunya for the akhirah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, for them in the akhirah there is nothing. Allah says, we'll give them in the dunya. You will get your land. You will get your whatever scheme that you are, you are running. You will be able to do haram. Allah will not stop you. You take a loan from the bank, you want to run your business and you want to increase your business, no problem, Allah will give you. Allah will allow you to get, take the loan. Allah will allow the bank to give you the loan. No problem. But in the Akhirah, you have nothing. In the Akhirah, you just bought war with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing in the Naseeb in the Akhirah. That is the meaning of not wanting the dunya. It doesn't mean not take the dunya. The Sahaba had more dunya in their hands than anybody else. But Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab his izar, his, his lower garment, had 12 patches on it. So the other Sahaba, it got so bad that the other Sahaba said we have to do something to make him buy some new clothes. So Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib was delegated for this responsibility because you got to go tell him to say buy new clothes. It was not easy with Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab. So they, what they did was that they bought this bolt of cloth and Sayyidina Ali took this to Sayyidina Umar daughter Hafsa. Bint Omar, 
who was the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu and they and Sayyidina Ali gave it to her and said look please tell your father buy new clothes it doesn't look nice he's the Khalifa and he's got all these you know patches on his uh, on, on his uh, izar and this is these are the times of wealth I mean they had enough and more wealth so he said please and he said but don't tell him who gave this cloth so Sayyidina Hafsa Radhalana promised and she kept the cloth and when Sayyidina Umar Radhalana came to visit her she presented the cloth. Sayyidina Umar said, what is this? She said, your brothers have brought this for you as a gift and they want you to make some new clothes. So Sayyidina Umar said, who brought it? <laughs> she said, I cannot tell you. I promised them I will not tell you. Ajib, my brothers, listen, read the seerah, read about the sahaba. Kya Sometimes sound like fairy tales. You know, did they really exist? And if you did not have the authentic history to show they existed, it's difficult to believe in today's world that such people actually lived. They actually walked the earth. Sayyidina Umar says to her, says to Hafsa, she says, tell me, what were the clothes of your husband like? Sayyidina Hafsa, she knows, she knows her father, she knows her husband, she knows what answer. She didn't say anything. So he said, tell my brothers, Jazakumullah khairan for the gift, I don't accept it. He said, I am afraid that if I leave these ways of mine, that Allah will not allow me to be with my two companions. And Allah will not allow me to be with my two companions, which is Muhammad Rasulullah and Abu Bakr Siddiq Are we talking about haram and halal here? Not haram, it's halal. Rasulullah said the best sadaqah is to spend on yourself and your family. Obviously, it means in moderation, does not mean spend on yourself and your family, does not mean that you you know wear gold cloth or something. No. In moderation. Not spend thousands of uh, dollars on, on branded clothing where you are uh, paying for the brand. And in most in most cases, if it is truly good branded clothing, you can't see the brand. The logo on the cloth actually means it's some cheap stuff. If you have Ralph Lauren, it means cheap stuff. Wear an Armani and you see it's inside, you can't see it. You have to get, take the coat off to see the brand. You can't see the Armani, doesn't put Armani on that. Armani exchange t-shirts are for kids, not for serious people. So we're talking about what was the taqwa of Sayyidina Umar This is the issue of risk. This is the issue of how much you believe in the issue of risk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if you choose the dunya in exchange for the akhirah, that will also be given to you. But you made the choice. So there is nothing in the akhirah for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِنَّ رَبِّ يَبْسُطُ رِزْقَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ وَيَقْدِرُ لَهُ وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Say to them, Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Truly my Rabb enlarges provision for who he wants and also restricts it for whoever he wants. And whatever you spend in the path of Allah, Allah will replace it. My Rabb is ghuyur, Allah has ghira. Allah does not take from anybody. Even though it belongs to him anyway. 
He still does not take from anyone. Allah says, Allah will give it back to you. But human nature is such, and He is the best of providers, but human nature is such, this greed which is there inside, take even in, in young children, Maybe coming for coming up to Eid, inshallah, in the next five, six days. Try this with your little children. Little one, you know, maybe one year old or two years old. Give him some money, give him something. And then five minutes later, tell him, please give it to me. He won't give it to you. He just got it from you. He said, please give me, I'll give you more. He said, no. This is so hardwired inside. And that's why you have to break this. Think about that. If I told you, if you ask me, you are 60 years old, what is your, what have you prepared for your retirement? And I tell you that, look, I'm a business consultant. I've done all my retirement financial planning. I've got this building here from, from which I get this rent. I've got that one there. I've got that land there. I've got this much in stocks and so on and so on and so on and I give you a long, long list of financial uh, investments you will say a oh, very wise man very very wise man very sensible please advise me also but if I tell you if you ask me what's your financial plan and I tell you my financial plan is my Rabb Jalla Jalalu I ask him if I need I ask him he gives me he gives me even if I don't ask him so you tell him no, no hold on hold on I, 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 I know I know I know, know you are a Muslim and so on and so on but what have you got? What have you got? What about your family? What will happen if you die? What income are you going to get on a, on a, on a daily basis? And I tell you, I, I just told you, I, I told you the name of my bank, it is called Allah. There's an income, there it comes. I mean, if I ask, I, if I ask him, he gives me, what, what do you want? I say, you're crazy. You're crazy. This doesn't make sense. You mean, you worked all your life and so on, you earned so much money and you, have, you don't have a, an apartment or a house or a, you know, business or endowment fund or this, nothing? Then you say, Allah is my Rabb and therefore that is my financial plan. My retirement plan is Allah. If I need, I ask Him, He gives me. If I give, if I give you this answer, you will say, you're mad, you're crazy. You should do this, you must do this, you must do that. In the process, grab somebody's land, no problem, what does it matter? Allah is Ghafurur Rahim. Is it, is, what I am saying, is this reality or am I exaggerating? Is, does it, is it a joke or is it happening? If I tell you that Allah, my financial plan is Allah, my retirement plan is Allah, what happens if I die? What will happen to my wife, Allah? He created her, He will feed her. Isn't it your responsibility? Of course it is my responsibility. I have done my responsibility. Umar bin Abdul Aziz Khalifatul Muslimin who inherited Khilafat from his uncle Malik bin Marwan. He ruled for two years. Two of the best years of the Banu Umayyah. Now he is on his deathbed. He is dying. His wife is there who is a princess. She is the daughter of Malik bin Marwan. His daughters are there, his couple of sons are there. His wife's brother, Al-Walid, he comes into the room and he says to his, his cousin, who is also his cousin, 
So he says to his cousin, he said, what have you done to your family? You have left them with nothing. Why did he say that? Because when Umar bin Abdul Aziz, when he became the Khalifa, he never wanted to be Khalifa, but he was nominated as Khalifa. When he became the Khalifa, he called his wife and he said to her, the wife is the daughter of Malik bin Marwan. So she is a princess in her own right. She is a princess in several, she is the son of a, she is the daughter of the king. Her brothers are princes and her husband is the, is, 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 is the ruler. So she has got several, you know, links in terms of uh, royalty. And Malik bin Marwan was one of the most powerful, one of the most wealthiest of the Banu Umayyah rulers. So he, she's, he, he says to his wife, let us decide, do we want Allah's Jannah or do we want this palace and this dunya? She says we want Allah's Jannah. He says if you want the Jannah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then go and bring all the jewelry that you have and give it to the Baitul Mal. We are not talking about jewelry in tolas, in 10 grams. We are talking about hundreds of kilograms of gold because this is the this is the princess of one of the most magnificent kingdoms that existed. He said, your, your, all your jewelry and stuff is what your father took from the people. So give it back to the people. Bring everything. She happily brought everything. Whatever she had, she brought everything and the husband and wife, they donated all of that to charity. I'm not talking about pledging. Nowadays, this is the latest fashion. All these billionaires, we pledge this and we pledge that. So what happened to that, uh, the A380 aircraft with the jacuzzi on board? Oh, I still have it. What happened to your gold-plated Cadillac? Oh, I still have it. Then what did you pledge? This is people who are real. They gave. When they gave, they gave. It left their hands. It left their hands. That is the reason why Rasulullah's famous hadith, Nabi said, I am not afraid. He, first of all, he said that every ummah, every nation has a trial, has a test. And he said, the test of my nation is wealth. He said, every nation has a test and the test of my nation is wealth. And he said to the people, he said, I am not afraid of poverty for you. I am afraid for you that you will become wealthy. Allah will open the doors of wealth for you and you will compete for that wealth and it will destroy you just like it destroys, destroyed those before you. And Allah is witness we are seeing this. Nobody has more money than Muslims. In today's world, nobody actually has more money than Muslims. This is the reality of life. And nobody is more zalil than Muslims. Nobody is more oppressed than Muslims. Nobody has, has less value than Muslims. So Umar bin Abdul he was himself a muhaddis, he was a great scholar himself. So he called his wife and he said, bring the jewelry, give it away. Two years he ruled. One day he comes home and his daughters are, he loved his daughters very much. His daughters are all like this. So he said, what happened to you? Why, why, you, why is your mouth covered? His wife says, Amir al-Mawineen, they have eaten onions and they, they know that you don't like the smell of onions. That's why they're covering their mouth. He said, why did they eat onions? Because she says there's nothing else to eat. This is the wife of the Khalifa of the Muslims. This is the ruler's wife who is a princess in her own right. He says there was nothing to eat in the house. That's why they had to eat onions and they are covering their mouth because they know you don't like the smell of onions. So now this man is dying, he's on his deathbed and Walid comes and Walid says, what have you done to your family? You have reduced them to nothing. Allow me, 
He said, allow me and I will give a hundred thousand gold dinar to each of them. They are my nephews and nieces, but I can't give them without your permission. So allow me to give and I will give them a hundred thousand gold dinar to each of them. What about Abdul Aziz Rahmatullah at that position, he tells them, go away. They don't need you. He says, go away. They do not need you and they don't need your money. He said, I taught them how to take from the treasures of Allah. When they want, they will ask and he will give them what they ask. He said, I have taught them how to take from the treasures of my Rabb. And when they need it, they will ask and he will give them. And history is witness. Not one of his children ever needed money. They all became, somebody became governor of this place and governor of that place and all that. They lived good lives. Father left them nothing. Because they understood the meaning of risk. They understood what it meant to choose between the dunya and the akhara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَوْ بَسَطَ اللَّهُ الرِّزْقَ لِعِبَادِهِ لَبَغَوْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَاكِنْ يُنَزِّلُ بِقَدَرٍ مَّا يَشَاءُ إِنَّهُ بِعِبَادِهِ خَبِيرٌ بَصِيرٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Verily and truly, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to enlarge the provision of His slaves, if He gave them wealth, then truly they would rebel in the land. They would fall into all kinds of sins and evil. And Allah said, that is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends in measured quantities as He wills. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware and sees His slaves. Khabirum Basir. Now tell me, isn't it true that every evil or almost every evil that we see associated with our ummah is because they have money? Is it not true? Our people are in anything that you can think of, every evil. Israf, Allah called the people who spend ostentatiously ostentatiously what did he call them innal musrif innal mubaddirina kanu ikhwana shayateen allah said the people of israf are the are the brothers of shaitan now what is worse than that how do you do israf because you have money if you did not have money you would not be able to do israf how do you indulge in, in, in sex and in liquor and in all kinds of stuff, in gambling and everything, buying resources, going to, going to this club and that club, paying big fees for the club. And then you say, well, I go to the club only once in a year. So do zina also once in a year, murder somebody once in a year. What's the problem? Does it make sense? Senseless talk, insane talk. A sin is a sin. Whether you do it once in a year or you do it every day, how does it make it? it, it is, what is wrong is wrong. And it is the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take you in that state when you are there. Allah can decree that that one day that you went to the club was the day that you have to die. And you will die in the club. You will die on the dance floor. I can tell you I have heard these things. I know people to whom this happened. I can name them but I am not going to name them. I know a person who died on the dance floor, Muslim. You want to die like that? I know a person who died in the card room playing cards, gambling. 
So when somebody tells you and they tell you don't do this, you get angry with that person. Uh, you abuse that person because it is trying to save you from the hellfire. Alhamdulillah, no problem. No problem. Because this is what they did with the MBA. So if they do it to you, be happy. Alhamdulillah. And on the other hand, you have people who will aid and abet them in that and they will give them dalail and excuse to say how this is correct. Choosing the dunya over the akhirah. And that's why Allah SWT is saying, Allah SWT does not give you whatever you want. Allah gives you in measured quantities because Allah Subhanahu Taala is concerned and He is interested in your benefit. So Allah Subhanahu Taala gives you only that much. My brothers and sisters, on the authority of Anas bin Malik anhu, he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and these are the ahadith of Qudsiyah and I will close with, with these. He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu said, O son of Adam, Ya Bani Adam, so long as you call upon me and ask of me, I will forgive you for what you have done and I will not mind. As long as you do not make shirk, as long as you call upon me and you ask me and you make tawbah, I will forgive you for what you have done and I will not mind. O son of Adam, Ya Bani Adam, if your sins were so much that they reached the clouds of the sky and then if you ask me for forgiveness, I would forgive you. If you, made, if you did so many sins that they, if they piled them up, they would reach to the, to the heavens. And then you make tawbah, Allah said, I will forgive all those sins. And then Allah says, oh, my, oh son of Adam, were you to come to me with sins nearly as great as the earth, and were, and were you then to face me, ascribing no partner to me, I would bring you forgiveness as great as that. And this hadith is in Tirmidhi, and also in Musnad Imam Ahmad, and the chain is sound. This is the forgiveness is risk for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, if, even if whatever sins you commit, if you make tawbah, Allah will forgive you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this in the Quran as well. Qul ya ibadi. See the ayat. Qul ya ibadi. Alladhina asrafu ala anfusihim. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. Inna allaha yaqfiru dhunuba jamiyah. Innahu huwa al-ghafuru rahim. Whenever I read this ayah, I get stuck on this first word, which is Ya Ibadi. Allah did not say Ya Nas. Ya Ibadi. He said, My Rabb, I am a sinner, I committed sins, I disobeyed you, I did this, and you call me your slave, my slave. Say to them, my slaves. Who? Those who transgressed against themselves. Those who, who, who disobeyed me. Those who angered me. But you are mine. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِ مَا هُوَ عِبَادِ أَلَّذِينَ عَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ He's not saying, who are, the, who are your ibad? Not the Anbiya, was Sulaha, was Salihin, was Shuhada, no. أَلَّذِينَ عَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Who are ibadi? And we didn't say, Allah is saying it. When I make dua, I always say, say you said, I am your, I am your abd. You said, I am your, Ya ibadi. I didn't say, you said it. Now I've come to you with my sins. You said you will forgive, so forgive me. 
In another hadith on the authority of Abu Dhar Ghaffari radiallahu anhu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said again in hadith Qudsi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said and see the glory and majesty of our Rabb in the kalam He said, oh my slaves, I have forbidden oppression for myself and I have made it forbidden amongst you so do not oppress one another Oh my, oh my slaves all of you are misguided except those I have guided. So seek guidance from me and I will guide you. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem. Allah said, O my slaves, all of you are hungry except those I have fed. So seek food from me and I will feed you. Allahumma rzukhna rizqan halalan tayyibah. O Allah, give us rizqan halalan tayyibah. And then Allah said, O my slaves, all of you are naked except those I have clothed. So seek clothing from me and I will clothe you. O my slaves, you sin by night and by day and I forgive all sins. So seek forgiveness from me and I will forgive you. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma khfillana zunubana wa kaffirana sayyatina wa tawaffana ma'al abrari azal jalali wa likram. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O oh my slaves, you will not be able to harm me, you will not be able to attain harming me so as to harm me, and you will not attain to benefiting me so as to benefit me. Allah says, You cannot do anything to me, you can neither harm me nor can you benefit me. He says, O oh my slaves, were the first of you and the last of you, the human of you and the jinn of you to become as pious as the most pious heart of any man of you that would not increase my kingdom in anything if all of you became as pious and as glorious as the best of you it would still not increase my kingdom in anything and then Allah says, O my slaves, were the first of you and the last of you, the human of you and the jinn of you, if you became as wicked and rebellious as the worst of you, that would not decrease my kingdom in anything. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O my slaves, were the first of you and the last of you, the human of you and the jinn of you, to rise up in one place and make dua to me for everything that you wanted. And if I gave everyone what he asked, it would not decrease what I have any more than a needle decreases the sea if it is put in it and taken out. There's not even that. And Allah says, O oh my slaves, it is but your deeds that I reckon up for you and then recompense you for them. So let him who finds good praise Allah and let him who finds other than that blame no one but himself. And this hadith is in Muslim, uh, also in Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah. And then the final one of these hadith which I absolutely love to read because it's this glory and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalal who said in this hadith of Qudsi he said oh my slave you want and I want anta turid wa ana urid you want and I want but be certain nothing will happen unless I want if you obey me in what I want I will give you what you want 
If you obey me in what I want. Allah did not say, if you work for what you want, you will get it. No, Allah said, if you obey me in what I want, I will give you what you want. If you don't obey me in what I want, I will make you struggle in what you want. And in the end, nothing will happen except what I want. Allah said, I will make you tired and exhausted. I will make you run like a wild animal. And in the end, only what I want will happen. So if you want health, if you want wealth, if you want Isa, if you want love of people, if you want prestige, what do, what do we want in this life? This is what we want, right? What must you do? Make money, grab this one's land, do this haram, get this interest, make this scheme. Do, eh? What must you do? Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. And if you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I will give you all of this. I will give you wealth, I will give you contentment, I will give you izzah, people will love you, you will have respect, you will have everything. But if you don't do that, and in order to get this wealth and so on, you do all of the rest. You run here and there, you work like a dog from morning till night. Allah said, Allah said, I will make you do that. And in the end, what will happen? Only what Allah has written for you will happen to you. Nothing more. Nothing more. Not one cent more. My brothers and sisters, I want to end with what I began with by reminding myself and you. This month came to remind us about taqwa. So understand that you do not have taqwa if you are gambling. You do not have taqwa, taqwa if you are betting on resources. You do not have taqwa if you are playing cards for money. You do not have taqwa if you are members of clubs which are set up for the purpose of disobeying Allah. And if you want to tell me that your clubs you belong to are set up for the glorification of Allah, then I'm tell, I'll ask you, I'll ask you, what have you been smoking? Clubs which are set up for gambling, for, for alcohol, your, your subscription is going to pay, that is what pays the bills of the club, that is what pays the salaries of the people who work in the club, that is what pays, it's not the fact that you don't drink. The bar, the man who polishes the bar, his salary comes from your subscription. The polish of the bar comes from the subscription that you pay. And if you are members of those clubs, you do not have taqwa. If you are bribing judges, you do not have taqwa. It is not called speed money. Speed money is the name you gave to that haram. Bribery is haram in Islam. If you are bribing judges to get rulings in your favor, by all means do that. Then wait for the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your cover. If you are paying bribes to get what does not belong to you, other people's property does not belong to you. If you believe that, then you are the biggest fool. You are absolutely insane. Other people's property does not belong to you. Get this through your thick skull. Before you have to burn in the hellfire to find out that. If you are doing that, you have no taqwa. If you are taking bribes, you have no taqwa. If you are taking dowry, you have no taqwa. When we talk about family matters, we'll talk about that. If you are taking dowry to get married, if you are taking money from the, from the father of the, or the family of the woman to marry that woman, you have no taqwa. According to me, you are not even a man. And lesbian marriages are not permitted in Islam. 
So decide if you are a man before you go marry a woman. You have no taqwa. If you are being stingy, you have no taqwa. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, people like people like Ibn Al-Qayyim Al-Jawziyah, they have, they said, the worst of sins is bukhul. Worst of sins. The most, the bukhul, bakil person, he says, is the worst of people. You have no taqwa. Do your own self-analysis. And say this month of Ramadan, did I take, did I get something from this month of Ramadan? Or is the same thing is going to happen? I'm still giving bribes, I'm still lying, I'm still cheating, I'm still slandering, I'm still backbiting, I'm still oppressing this one and that one. I'm still cursing. Then this month has gone and wasted. And that whole month will become a witness against you on the day of judgment. You will not be able to say to Allah, Yala, I didn't have a chance. Allah said, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I gave you the whole month. Give you the whole month. Then I gave you this madman called Yavarbek to sit there and remind you again and again and again. Bloody stupid fool who should have kept his mouth shut and, and done his dhikr. Why was he reminding you? And then you cursed him because he reminded you. He reminded you so you cursed him. He reminded you so you, you, found, you found fault with him. You went, and, you, went and, you went and slandered him and you went and backbit him. And Alhamdulillah, I, I, I always praise Allah for all the slanderers. He gives me good deeds for free. Do it, do some more. You're not doing enough. My brothers and sisters, wake up. Please wake up. Please wake up. Don't go into your cover, preparing that cover as a pit of the fire. Don't do that. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us and open our eyes and settle this issue of risk in our hearts and total contentment. My Rabb is my Raziq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, what did Allah say? Allah said, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقُ ذُو الْقُوَّةِ الْمَتِينَ My Shaykh, when he used to teach me this ayat, he told me, it is like a slap in the face. It's like a slap in the face. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I've created you for nothing but to worship me. And Allah says, I don't ask you for food. I don't ask you to, to feed me. I don't ask you to feed my, 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 my creatures. I feed you. And Allah says, Inna Allah, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, huwa, he, razzaq, not razzaq, razzaq, dhul quwwatil mateen, six times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reiterated his sifat of razzaqiyat. And my shaykh used to say, this is a slap in the face for the Muslim to say that you still have fear in your heart. You have no iman if you have fear in your heart. You have no iman. You do not have any iman if you fear for your food. If you fear that you will starve. You have no iman. Make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recite the kalima again. You fear for food. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feeds the pigs. Have you ever seen a thin pig? A pig on a diet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feeds those creatures you think he will not feed you then when you stand in salah before him Allahu Akbar Ya Rabbal Alameen I worship you and you are afraid for food Inna Lillahi wa Inna Lillahi It's because we don't understand the issue of risk Obey Allah That is the, the key thing is this you want to live a life of disobedience and you want Allah to feed you Nana, doesn't work like that doesn't work like that Allah said obey me and I will give you what you want you want to disobey Allah and get what you want. Doesn't work like that. That is not the physics of risk. The physics of risk is that you obey Allah and you will get what you want. You disobey Allah, you will not get what you want. You will die trying to get what you want and only what Allah wants will happen. 
So let us make tawbah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to make tawbah. Let us not get, let us not allow one day to pass before we wash our hands of all the negative associations we have. Don't sleep tonight until you resign from your clubs. Do not sleep tonight until you resign from your clubs. Wallahi in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I am the witness to say that I have told you this. And I don't care if you like it or you don't like it. I am saying this to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to please you. Do not sleep tonight until you resign from your clubs. Do not sleep tonight until you go and make tawbah if you have been doing some skullduggery somewhere and bribing this one and that one. Make tawbah. Do not sleep because you may not wake up from that sleep and if you don't wake up from that sleep and you die with all that stuff with you, then you are in serious trouble. Do not go to sleep if you have got an interest-based business. I'm not saying sell the business right now, but make the niyyah and make tawbah and then try to get out of that interest thing as quickly as possible. At least make the sincere niyyah to get out of that. And Alhamdulillah, in this masjid itself, we have cases, I'm not going into all of that now, but we have cases of people who chose to do that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw them through and Alhamdulillah, they're so happy today. Please, make tawbah now. Make tawbah right now, before iftar is the time for acceptance of du'as. Make tawbah now, right now. I make tawbah, I ask you to make tawbah. Stay, get out of every haram association that you have. Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Allah will give you until you get tired of taking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will give you izzah that you, like you cannot believe. People, strangers who never saw you in your life, they will come and hug you and kiss you and they will say, yeah, I wanted to meet you. I made dua to Allah. Oh Allah, make me meet this person and Allah, Allah made me meet you. You want wealth, Allah will give you as much as you want. You have contentment in your heart which is the greatest wealth. You want something, you ask Allah and Allah will give you. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but that will come only and only if you become obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the great secret of risk. The great secret of wealth is to obey Allah Jalla Jalalu. And the second great secret of wealth is give. The more you give, the more you will get. When you put your hand, a beggar comes to beg, you put your hand in your pocket and a hundred rupee note comes out and the shaitan says, hundred rupees to the beggar. What must you do? Give it. He says, shaitan says, oh crazy, put your hand in your pocket, take out another hundred, give it. He says, you're mad, another hundred and give it. Until he runs away. Until he runs away. Learn to give. Give and give and give and give the best to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what the sahab understood. Last story, Abu Dhar Ghifari radiallahu anhu. Abu Dhar Ghifar anhu lived in, a, in, a, in his farm away from Medina. He lived there alone just with his wife. Now he had a herd of camels and so on. A man came to him and he said to him, he said, Ya Abu Dhar, I want to be your student. I will come and work for you as a servant and I want you to teach me. Abu Dhar Ghifar anhu was short on patience. So he said, look, you can't survive with me. He said, no, no, I, I, I know you and I have you know, patience, I will be with you. So Abu Dhar said, okay, I will take you as a student on one condition. And the condition is that whatever I tell you, you must obey. Without question. Well, I said, no problem, I came to learn from you, so this is easy. So I accept. Some days passed and some people from a tribe came to Sayyidina Abu Dhar They were in, a, in tatters, they were in a bad condition, starving people. And they came and they said, Sahabi of Rasulullah give us something please. We are starving. Abu Dhar Ghifari called this man and he said, go into my herd of camels 
pick the best camel pick the best camel and bring it here and slaughter it and give it to these people now this man he went into the herd he saw the camel it which was the herd bull fantastic lineage the animal is in prime condition beautiful animal so the man saw the animal he thought what is the sense in killing this animal i mean this is a beautiful animal he's got lineage he's got a gene pool which will give us so many beautiful calves and he's in prime condition now taking it and slaughtering it and eating the meat i mean meat is meat how does it matter so what did he do? what he did was in the interest of, or at least what he thought was in the interest of his of his employer and his teacher abu zarghafari he took the next best animals so he's not taking the trash he's taking the next best which is equally good he brought that animal now abu zarghafari also knows his animals so when the animal came abu zarghafari asked this man he said just ask answer one question this animal in your estimation is this the best now what abu zarghafari radhiallahu is trying to find out is that did this man make a mistake maybe he does not assess, he doesn't understand how to assess camels not everybody knows so he said in your estimation is this the best animal in my herd the man said no this is not the best animal this is the second best animal so abu dar ghifari said to him take this back and bring the best one so he said fine he went there and he brought the best animal abu dar ghifari radhiallahu said hand it over to those people they will slaughter it and they will take the meat he said send a small portion to my house and he said you are sacked get out other man said yeah sheikh i mean i did something he said please okay you sack me i will go but i did something for you i did something in your good interest you are going to kill this animal meat is meat how does it matter whether it's the meat of the finest animal or the next animal and they are going to eat meat i mean as far as they are concerned that it makes no difference to them if you are not taking away something from them i only try to do you a favor you are you are you will lose the best animal that you have i try to do a favor for you you are holding it against me abu dhar radhiallahu said did you not hear what allah jalla jalaluhu said he said what did allah say he said allah said lan tanalul birra hatta tunfiqu mimma tuhibbun he said you will not attain to piety until you give in the path of allah the best that you have what you love the most he said you are doing me a favor he said you are doing me no favor you are doing me you are you are doing me harm this is favor because this one will be for me on the day of judgment when i go when i go before my rab the one you leave behind will not be for me this is my rizq which i am keeping with allah that is the favor for me that is the teaching my brothers and sisters give your best in the path of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't hold back and when the time comes to give give and give and give never get tired of people asking many times we hear this term donor fatigue what is donor fatigue too many people coming and asking because we have been we have been brainwashed by shaitan too many people coming and asking means too much blessing mashallah too much blessing allah is sending so many people to you i always make dua ya allah if you send somebody to me don't send him to anybody else i always make this dua ya allah give me enough to give them completely if you send someone to me do not send that person to anybody else that is my dua to my rab and i am not saying that because i got 100 million in my bank i don't i i i certainly won't tell you what i have in my bank but definitely it's not 100 million hey, seriously i say this because my rab has it so i say i i my rab my dua is yalla you are not coming down to give it to somebody you will give it through someone make that me make me that someone it is yours 
and you will give it through somebody. You are not sending a mala, uh, one of the malak to the malaika to say, you will use a human being. Make me that human being. So whoever you send to me, don't send him anywhere else. Give me enough to give him completely. And I will not keep it back. This, much is, this is my wadah to my rabbi. If he gives me for you, I will give you. I will not keep one, anything with me. I don't need it. Why would I need it? I can take it whenever I want. Why will I keep it for what? To do what? And this is the, this is the beauty of Allah. He gives from his treasures. And when you give it, he counts it in your favor. I gave whatever, even what, was the, what I gave is not mine. And that's why the shayar said in Urdu, he said, Jaan di, di hui usi ki thi. Haq to ye hai ki haq adana hua. He said, I gave my life, but it was, it belonged to Allah. So the truth is, I still did not fulfill the right. Jaan di, di hui usi ki thi. Haq to ye hai ki haq adana hua. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to settle this issue in your hearts. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the greatest wealth that there is which is contentment. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove greed from your heart. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove every desire of this world from your heart. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you a heart which enjoys alhamdulillah whatever Allah gives but doesn't seek for more in this dunya. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you a heart which seeks only and only the pleasure of Allah Jalla Jalalu. And then on the day of judgment when you meet him, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you until you are pleased. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you until you are tired of taking. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show you his khudrat in what he will give you when you meet him Jalla Jalalu. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you among those who will run and seek opportunities to give who will give and give and give. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you those who will feel uncomfortable and unhappy and sad if you have money in, the, in your house, if you have money in the bank, who will feel happy when it goes, who feel happy when, you, when, when people smile, who, feel, who, who will feel happy when you give to people and they are happy. I ask Allah to make you those who become un, uh, very unhappy when they see the gold in their houses and who become very happy when that gold leaves because this was the state of my Nabi and of your Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he is dying in the arms of Aisha radiallahu anha he says Aisha is there anything in the house she says Ya Rasulullah there is this money there is this dinar she says Aisha give it away give it away he is in Naza he is going he is losing consciousness he is getting back consciousness he gets back consciousness first question Aisha what happened to that thing what happened to that money? This, this lady, she is not just losing her husband. She is losing Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She is a young girl. She is 18 years old or something like that. She is losing her husband. She knows that Allah has decreed she can't even get married again. Who would want to marry anyway? But this is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She does not know how long she will, she will live. She is losing her only connection in the life. She, how is she going to remember to, to, to give this away? He says, give it away. He loses consciousness. He gets back consciousness. Says, Aisha, what happened to that money? Ya Rasulullah, I was going to give it away. It is still there. Ya Aisha, bring the money to me. She brings that couple of dinar, whatever it was. He says, put it in my hand. He puts it in his hand. He says, Ya Aisha, do you want me to meet my Rab like this? <laughs> was he talking about haram money? Is the money in the hand of Muhammad Rasulullah haram? He said, Aisha, do you want me to meet my Rabb in this state? Give it away. 
Is he saying, yeah, I am dying, at least give this little money, maybe it, it is good for you for two meals. Is he saying that? Who is for Aisha? His Rabb is for Aisha, Jalla Jalalu. Who needs money? Brothers and sisters, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala settle this question in your heart once and for all. Never, never, never be unhappy. Never have any worry. Never have any stress. Never have any concern with respect to your risk. Because your risk is in safe hands. Because there is no hand which is safer than the hand of my Rabb Jalla Jalalu. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyil kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajmain. Bi rahmatika ya rahman rahimina wa alhamdulillahi wa bilalim.